Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Deborah Grayson Regal. Deborah is a keynote speaker and consultant who teaches leadership communication for Wharton and Columbia Business School. She's regularly featured in the popular press, including Harvard Business Review, Inc., Psychology Today, Forbes, and Fast Company. And you've probably seen her work in media like Bloomberg Business Week, Oprah Magazine, and the New York Times. Her latest book, along with her daughter Sophie Regal, is Go to Help, 31 Ways to Offer, Ask for, and Accept Help. She's also, if you're keeping score at home, our first repeat guest here on I Wish They Knew. She appeared back on episode 29, so catch that if you haven't before. It's linked up in the show notes below, and we are happy that Deb is back for some more wishes. Deb, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me twice. Oh, we only reserve that honor for the best guests, so we're glad you're back for more. Thank you. So what do you wish now that you're back for more wishes? Yeah, so in reflecting on the last couple of years that we've all experienced individually and collectively, I wish people knew that offering, asking for, and accepting help is surprisingly complex, but it can be easier. So we want to help other people. Uh, I think especially people who have seen others, you know, at their most vulnerable, they feel a desire to want to pitch in and reach out. But What's the best way to offer that help? Because not all help is helpful. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, and in fact, in the book, I you know talk about one of my favorite poems from Shel Silverstein, which became a song on free to be you and me if you're of a certain age, which is <laughs> some kind of help is the kind of help that helping's all about, and some kind of help is the kind of help we all can live without. Yes. Right. So how do we offer more of the help that helping's all about and less of the stuff that people don't want? So um, one of the things that's really important to keep in mind is when you are trying to help someone, you think that you are being judged on your intention. I was just trying to help, but in fact, you're really being judged on your impact, which is true of many conversations, right? And actions. Um, And so recognizing that the person that you're trying to help may have a helping need that is different from what you are trying to do and to actually ask them, right? What kind of help would be most helpful to you right now? And then to come with some options, right? So if I'm just having an awful day, I actually may not be able to answer that question. If, you know, the threat mechanisms in my brain are so high that it's limiting my cognitive functions. And you say, Deb, what kind of help would be helpful? I might appreciate the intent, but I'm actually so flooded that I don't know. But if you said, Deb, you seem like you're having a a rough day today. Um, I'm wanting to help and I'm wondering, do you just need me to listen to you without problem solving? Do you want me to help solve your problem? Is there somebody that I could connect you to that could be a good resource? Even starting with a small list of two or three ways in which you could be helpful can be very, very um, helpful and resourceful to the person you're trying to help. And so it's not just about reaching out to that person. It's about listening in, right? Listening to what they want. 
listening to what they want and helping to prompt them a little bit. Uh, and that also comes with a caveat. So you know the saying that a, a confused buyer buys nothing. So if I say, hey, Joe, look, I just read this book, Go to Help. I've got 31 ways I can help you. Let me list them all. You're going to say, I... I don't want any of that. That's overwhelming. So offer a, a few options of ways that you can help. And those need to be options that you are both willing and able to do, right? So if I know that I am, a, I am not great at listening and I offer to listen to you, I might offer it and you might accept it, but it's actually going to make things worse because I go, you know, Joe, that reminds me of a time when something like that happened to me, which is not really listening, as you know, as well as anybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what happens when we do that? We listen in and we offer some guidance and it's selective and specific and it's not overwhelming, but they don't want our advice. They don't want to listen to us or they don't want to take that advice. What do we yeah. do then? So, so what's interesting about this example is uh, we talk about in the book, the idea of developing help fluency that you actually need to have a huge range of, of helping languages, like love language, but helping languages. And the most common for most of us is um, fix it for you or tell you how to fix it. Mm -hmm. And so if you are offering somebody a piece of advice that they don't want, it's possible that you have relied on your strongest muscle, like your quads, <laughs> right? It's the version of your quads is let me give you some advice. But that is quite often not what somebody needs. And so before you give advice, you want to ask them, would you like some advice? Would you like to hear my experience? Would you like me to tell you what I think I would do in your situation? It's giving people a little more ownership and agency over that process. Absolutely. So while this may not sound like a perfect conversation for all families, in our family, here's an example of a perfect conversation. My daughter and co-author Sophie Regal uh, was sharing something with uh, my husband, Michael, her dad, about something going on in college that was bothering her. And he said, would you like some perspective on it? To which she said, nope. <laughs> and that was a perfect conversation in our family because he asked permission, yeah. would you like some perspective? And she felt safe enough to say, no, that's not actually helpful. That's not what I want. Because mm -hmm. you know what a bad, ha a bad happens so many times. We leave these conversations thinking that we've done some good. And the other person's just thinking, man, I wish that person would just have listened or asked me what I wanted because that's not actually helping me. That's not actually helping me. And again, when you believe that your helpfulness is determined by your impact, you will think you are the most helpful person in, uh, on your intention. Yeah. Um, you will think you're the most helpful person in the world. But if you recognize that it's based on your impact, you may find that you're missing the mark way more than, um, than you want to. And if you're a leader in an organization, you got to be aware of that. If you're a colleague, uh, if you're trying to help your clients but missing the mark, that's really something to be aware of. And there's a whole range of other ways in which you can help other than the way you think is best. So those are all wonderful guideposts as far as making that offer of yes. help. But what if we're the ones who need the support? What is the best way for us to ask for help without losing our standing or even our sanity? Yeah, so part of that is about mindset, right? So the, the mindset shift needs to come first. And there's a very common belief. One of the reasons that we wrote this book is that, um, you know, asking for help means I don't know how to do it. I will be seen as vulnerable. It will undermine my credibility. And that is 
actually rarely the case, but if you believe it, it's your reality, right? If, if, that's, if that's what's driving your thinking. So the first thing to do is to actually shift your mindset about asking for help, right? So to go from asking for help means I'm weak, not credible, vulnerable, needy, to asking for help is how anybody gets through life. Nobody can do it all alone. And in fact, we have an entire section of our book that is called People Are Wanting and Waiting to Help You, mm. right? And Joe, I would imagine that you have helped so many people that if you called somebody to ask them for help, they wouldn't just be willing, they'd be flattered and honored that you asked them. Um, and so if you can shift your mindset to believe that other people would be flattered and honored and are waiting to help you, that can be a really helpful mindset shift. So what happens? Part one. Yeah. What, what would happen if I'm in a situation at work with, with my boss and I don't know that, I'm, that I've earned that kind of capital with, with that person. And I'm concerned that even with shifting my mindset to, well, this person really wants to help me. I'm not quite sure in this instance. So what might be a way I go about that kind of situation? Yeah. So part of it is we, in the book, we write about what are some criteria you should think about before asking somebody for help. And some of the, the things that we think about is, first of all, does this person have the skill to help me? Right. So if you were to say, Deb, my car is making a weird noise. Could, you know, would you come help me? I would, but you don't want my help, right? I don't have the skill. I grew up in Manhattan. What do I know from cars, right? So um, I don't have the skill to help you with that request. So number one is, does your boss have the skill to help you? Number two is, does your boss have the willingness to help you? Do they want to? Number three is, do they have the capacity, right? They may just be um, not have the bandwidth right now to do it. And then that fourth part that you talk about is, is our relationship there yet? Right. And so the, it, one of the ideas really comes from Stephen Covey's idea of you need to extend trust, right? In order to grow trust, you need to extend it. You might need to take a, a little risk and try a little experiment with a small ask before a big ask to see how does your boss respond to this? What patterns do you notice? Are they able to help you and do some small experiments, but it's going to require you sort of stepping your toe in the water. It really makes the person who's wanting the help think more clearly and, and concisely about what exactly they want, who can best deliver it, and ultimately, is that person going to deliver what they need at this time to help them get to where they need to go? That's right. That's right. And, and we also, you know, talk in the book about what help, you know, what help isn't actually helpful, how to say no to requests for help without, you know, hopefully losing your job or your credibility. And it is, it is really more complex than we think about it because we have an opportunity to get better at it. Yeah. It's a great wish and a great way to get the kind of help that you need and to give the kind of help that can truly make an impact. Deb, thank you for sharing your wish with us today. Continued success with the book. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.